Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1992, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1992 here from our perch in 2023. I'm one of your hosts, Phil Iscove. I'm your special guest host, Emily St. James, sitting in for your regular host, Kenny Nybart. I saw this podcast and I wanted it for my own, so I replaced him. <laughs> I just want to... I love that it only took you like... 30 episodes to say this listen i'm i'm i gotta i gotta if he ever comes on the show i got one for him oh, it's too, gonna be, but it's gonna be great uh, he's coming on that's happening uh, great but most importantly with us today uh film critic courtney howard and senior awards editor at variety clayton davis are here to talk with us about the hand that rocks the cradle I, uh, the hand I, that rules the world. The, the hand that rules the world. I was, you know, as we do on Twitter, lurking on, and I caught a conversation between the two of you as you were both effusively talking about the hand that rocks the cradle. So I inserted myself into that conversation, and I'm so thankful that you both took the time to come on. Can we also just, like, we need to mm-hmm. state the obvious here. Mm-hmm. No good conversation has happened on Twitter ever. The ever. fact that you were able to pick out. This one. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, look, positivity. Must <laughs> snuff it out. It, it's because Courtney and I are we I don't think we ever like said anything mean to each other on Twitter. I think we're we've been the bestest of friends for yeah, all sure. our lives. Yeah. So I think we just and we just <laughs> when Rebecca de Mornay is mentioned, it's like uh pull all matter and energy. She is the reason for the Big Bang Theory. And can I give my secret Phil origin story? Yes. Please. Um Back when I was at the AV Club, before um, Sleepy Hollow, before the other stuff you'd done, you would just, like, occasionally reply to me about Jason Kadem shows, and I'd be like, who the fuck is this guy? 
and but you did it <laughs> enough times right. and you did it kindly enough that i was like okay this is this is you move from who the fuck is this guy to like oh this is that fucking guy and then like i started replying and we became friends so uh that's, well, we, that's we, how we, that works that's how that works it, i mean i am maybe one of the only po- i try to be positive on social media because i feel like it's toxic and terrible and i just try to put positive things out into the world it's harder and harder with each passing day but um so you know emily obviously i was reading all of her reviews at at av club and i was a big fan of her work so you know that's why i was chiming in you guys also love your work obviously follow you guys because you know you guys are on the pulse of of this industry and i and i appreciate all of your insights into what's going on that being said (laughs) the hand that rocks the cradle we are here today to talk about this movie emily and i had never seen this film so this was the first time we'd ever watched this movie no that's outrageous well we have support (laughs) meetings every wednesdays you guys can start coming if you like it's pretty awesome i mean this was not what i thought this movie was emily and i were texting last night about it and i was like this is not what i was expecting and i don't say that necessarily negatively but what did you guys think let's start with what did you guys think it was what did you think the title meant please i absolutely like i knew a lot of the beats of the rebecca tomorrow stuff like i knew that the evil nanny i knew the you know trying to take the kids i knew a lot of the like big jump scares um i did not know ernie hudson was in this movie uh that was fun um and i didn't know julianne moore was in this movie like, like i genuinely that was fun to see her pop up and like yeah. just you know for Our like a couple scenes that's my introduction yeah. to her yeah but it, um i knew a lot of the de mornay stuff and i was like i bet this is gonna have some questionable gender politics and guess what it did <laughs> i really questionable I, I, politics I, I, in a lot of directions wait, but... I'll, I'll, like let's be fair it's not just gender yeah no yeah no, no. <laughs> i mean Every time I see Ernie Hudson, I'm not even gonna say it because I'm because I'll never get I'm not gonna get canceled. But I think of Robert Downey Jr. every time I watch it now <laughs> yeah. as an as an older uh-huh. adult. Uh huh. About it, like it is just so plainly on screen. Yep. And it's like you you go for that Oscar, Ernie. I guess so like it's post Ghostbusters. You know. It's, uh, so I similarly to Emily knew really only one broad stroke notion which was evil nanny like i knew that that rebecca de mornay was playing an evil nanny um the impetus of which she becomes a nanny very much not aware of so that context was surprising um i was and and it don't you know that all nannies have origin stories phil what I, I I did know that, um, but I didn't know they'd have this origin story. It was it was um, surprising. Uh, also, didn't know the Ernie Hudson bit. Also surprising. Ages poorly. Um, you know, as Emily and I have said on on a handful of these episodes of, on the films of 1992, uh, it was a different time, guys. So there was a lot of things that you know you. I don't want to you know just wave away stuff, but like there was a lot of like you know. Which is a different world. Um, that being said, I guess I was just sort of surprised at how um... you surrender <laughs> to it, and now you're just caught under its spell. And there's yeah. no, there's there's before the hand of rocks the cradle, and now there's after. I guess I just didn't expect it, and this is going to sound incredibly stupid. 
this is going to sound very dumb, but I did not expect it to be this maternal. I didn't expect there to be this much sort of like baby stuff, um, specifically just a lot of the breastfeeding and a lot of the like gynecological examinations, things that I was just not expecting this movie to do, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, I actually enjoyed the specificity of it, but these are just things I was surprised about. But yes, so that's so that's. I, I, I have to touch on three main points just Please. quickly this, this starts with this starts with some positives of, absolutely like, absolutely the whole, movie's, the whole movie's positive but this yeah, is something we can all agree yeah. on sure number one hmm. i watched this movie as an eight-year-old <laughs> okay <laughs> like was, my mom took wow. me to the movies to watch this movie in who bronx, took you to the movie my mother brought me to the movies in the bronx mm-hmm. to see this movie mm-hmm. who thought this was appropriate it was for me clearly clearly because i because i have loved rebecca de morney ever since and sure. if she walks through my door my wife understands it's been a good run you let me see the kids on weekends we're okay i'll make sure i'll take care of you we'll be okay mm-hmm. that's one two hands down and i've said this like look back in history of me on the internet hands down my favorite movie house is in this movie, and it's their, and it's their house. It's a good house. It's a very I good house. I love it's, their And house. it is Courtney's, uh, Courtney's background, backdrop that, for, uh, the, for Zoom. The opening scene of just, like, traveling through that house is just, like, beautiful magic. Beautiful magic. And three, Matt McCoy, who plays Annabella Sierra's husband, looks like um, Chris Elliott's son from Schitt's Creek. He, he he does, and, and, and he I does. can't see it. You know, I it's, like yes. Go ahead. I'm I like that your three undeniables are Rebecca De Mornay, which sure the house is great. Yes, that guy looks like that guy from Schitt's Creek. Yeah, <laughs> agree. All three. I agree three for three. three. I told you we would all agree on those things. Yeah, no, I agree with all three of those things. I, I mean, the house is fantastic, and and I it it makes me think of two houses that I also love. Movie houses. The first, the house from Beetlejuice. A great house. Mm, the Maitland's cool. house is a great house. And then uh, Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer's house in What Lies Beneath. That's mm. also a good house. This house actually also reminds me of um, Macaulay Culkin's house in The Good Son. Yep. In yep. Maine. And because yep. of that movie, I've, I've said my whole life, and I only half mean this, that I want to die in Maine. That house <laughs> is just beautifully placed yeah. like uh-huh. on, on like a cliff mountain Cliffside? Like, yeah. <laughs> Flip side, like all right, it's like, perfect. I can cook right there. That, that's it's nice. a very Stephen Kingy house. I would, I would, I would say. So, so mm. Courtney, um, your background with not as a nanny, but with the hand that rocks the cradle. Um, did you see this in the theater? Courtney, I would love to see yes. a nanny before. Okay. So I was like in the prime like pocket for this. Uh-huh. I was a babysitter, not babysitter okay. now, but like I was a babysitter. <laughs> but I was like, I think I w- it was like right when the big like thrillers were just coming out in the 90s so that was like right when I started my like really going hardcore with my love of movies going to theaters like all the time using my babysitting money to go to the theater and see these movies over and over and over again and this is one that I saw like for me it was unheard of to be able to afford to go to the theater like more than once so I would use my babysitting money to go see this. I saw it about four or five times in the theater. Wow. I loved it. Like, it is schlocky. It is campy. It touches on all these things. 
Um, really good performances from the actors, I think. Madeline mm-hmm. Zima, it's her first movie. She's adorable in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the two leads are really great in it. Rebecca De Mornay, I think that's one of her best performances. Um, but I was like, right, I was like, right, this and Sleeping with the Enemy were like the big like thrillers that you would go see, and then everybody would talk about it at school on like Monday. Did you see this, that, and the other? So this was one that was like this spoke my language to me when I was young. And I didn't have like the concept of like when I was younger, I mean, I would think about it, but it was like, I wouldn't think, oh, whoa, this was like super anti-feminist. Like you go back to work, you're <laughs> fucked. Your nanny's going <laughs> to steal your man. He's going to steal your husband. <laughs> like that sort of thing. Uh, sorry. Can we swear on this? <laughs> absolutely. 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 Yeah. I mean, um, and, and we're is... obviously getting into spoiler stuff, right? We're gonna, yes. Like, no. Yeah. 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 We're, we're going to, right, okay. I'll give a, I'll yeah. give a little bit of context in a minute, but I, I do think that um, this is, you know, Prime 92, you've got, obviously, Basic Instinct is kind of the, the big one. But you have a lot of these sort of sexy thrillers that are going on in the sort of the early 90s. And this is, I mean, it's kind of sexy. Is it a sexy movie? Um, sure. I mean, she sure. tries to seduce the she does. She does. She's barking up the wrong tree. She should right. seduce Annabelle Ciora. Like yeah. that's what should happen. That, oh, hundred percent. Annabelle Sierra is so much hotter than Matt McCoy. Like, and there's just like there's like chemistry there too. Like Matt McCoy has chemistry with neither of them, no. but like those two plus Julianne Moore, that's a throuple America can believe in. I agree. Right there. I, can I also say like Please. Matt McCoy, like the worst singer, and would annoy the hell out of me in the morning if he was singing with my kid that loud. I know. Like I don't know what time it is. But this started that whole, like, movie, like, you know, I'm eight, obviously, at the time, but I started realizing, like, I've never gotten up for breakfast and sat at the table and had all this unlimited time to just do activities around the house. That's like a trope of, of, certainly of Hollywood at this time, because we had it a little bit on Patriot Games when we were talking about that, Emily, but, like, just family time in a breakfast nook chatting and unscheduled family time unscheduled family time with the white family like that's that's how it goes i um have you ever like so you remember how um the song hallelujah became absurdly popular because of shrek and nobody remembers that it's because of shrek because they're like oh the oc or scrubs or no it's fucking shrek i mean like yeah like they all were like somebody all the music supervisors in the world saw shrek and were like well we got to get that song in our show is this patient zero for the weird 90s obsession with Gilbert and Sullivan? Like, is it? Because <laughs> it feels like everything in the 90s was uh-huh. like, well, we got to toss in some Gilbert and Sullivan. The weird serial killer drama Millennium had mm-hmm. a whole Gilbert and Sullivan episode. I'm yeah. guessing because of this movie. Yeah. Like, do you think Aaron Sorkin? I was just going to say, Aaron, Aaron Sorkin, Sorkin loves it because of this movie. Obviously, obviously loves Gilbert and Sullivan organically. But maybe he saw this and was like, it's safe to use this in my screenplay. It's my time. <laughs> yeah. And can I also say the most un-Seattle looking movie that's supposed to take place yes. in Seattle. Yes. It is strange. I don't feel like it's Seattle at all. No. I mean, there's a couple exteriors that are kind of gloomy. Yes. It, they, they're yeah. supposed to be in Seattle. No, I'm surprised you don't think it's Seattle because I always associate it with Seattle. Really? Yeah, oh, I've never not thought this. Like the houses huh. in Tacoma, Washington, and oh, okay. the Mott House was like just built 
before like it was just built and then i think it was like empty and then the movie crew like came in to use it it's since like people live in it now but uh, you could have always thought of it Victor, yeah, I mean, they don't show like it's not like here's the seattle needle and there's like establishing shots of the city but like it's not in that way but it's yeah lush, to be fair. kind of like cloudy yeah yeah to be fair, there is also that scene where Matt McCoy wakes up his daughter by singing Toss Salad and Scrambled Eggs, which is <laughs> an obvious Seattle tip-off. It's an obvious, uh, also yeah. another show not filmed in Seattle. But yeah. Um, also, Victor Mott's house, what a gaudy, ugly house. Yes. Like, yes. it is like, yes. that's supposed to be a rich guy's house, and it is so, it's like oblong-shaped, it, like, it makes no sense of like a, a travel <laughs> through. But it does look like a villain's house. Like, it does look like someone evil. Sure. It looks like like a doctor that probably raped a few women at some point. Yeah, right? 100%. 100%. That still had, like, one thing that's, uh, that I guess the movie doesn't do well Mm. is the passage of time is your best guess. (laughs) Like, I don't know how long, I don't know how long, how much time went between her having the baby Mm-hmm. And Peyton showing up. Yep. Six I months. don't know how it long Peyton. It says six months. Oh, oh. that's uh, the only how long they work. Yeah. But how long yeah, they work? Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. Like everything after that, it, after could, be, it could be years. Yes. The baby never forever. gets bigger. Yeah. No idea how long yep. Solomon's been following them. Nope. Watching yep. them. Like, I don't know. Okay. I mean, okay, let, 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 let's let's go into Solomon because I think that's a good place to start. I, before we do Solomon, let me just give a little bit of context for people that have not seen this film, just very quickly. Uh, a very brief synopsis. When she was assaulted by her doctor, Claire Bartow, played by Animal, is it Ciora? Is that how you say her last name? I've name? always said Ciora. Okay, Ciora. sure. Yeah. But, but we uh, could be wrong reports him to the police and rather than go to prison for his crime he kills himself the shock of the accusations of suicide caused the doctor's pregnant wife Peyton played by Rebecca DeBornay to have a miscarriage driven mad with rage Peyton poses as a nanny for the Bartell family her plan to tear Claire's life apart and seduce her husband played by Matt McCoy and eventually murder the woman she blames for ruining her life the hand that rocks the cradle opened on January 10th 1992 against a bunch of 91 holdovers hook the prince of tides father of the bride beauty and the beast and of course the mighty ducks yeah. uh, it would go on to make 140 million dollars on an 11 million dollar budget this 139 of that million was me and Courtney yeah <laughs> honestly so this money. is 140 million dollars in 1992 is like 400 million today basically probably yeah that's a shocking amount of money and a, and a q1 movie at that yeah, exactly this is this is like basically megan right megan in 1992 <laughs> a, a movie that opens early in january makes a boatload of money um this movie stayed number one for four consecutive weeks then was upended by everyone's favorite sean connery film medicine man <laughs> i love medicine man Rebe- rebecca De- rebecca de mornay should play mother of megan i think that's <laughs> yes. good that's a good pitch. Would watch. Would watch. Yeah. Let's good pitch it around. Though. Idea. Let's see what happens. But yeah, so this movie got sixty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, sixty-one from audiences. I mean, I don't think uh, I don't. I don't like to talk about RT scores. Of yeah, but and F- just giving a little bit of context uh, yeah. for what it's worth. I'm just saying it should be a hundred percent. It should be hundred percent um. on both. <laughs> I will say though, it is interesting that so Roger Ebert didn't review the film. <laughs> for reasons who knows but the two of them did obviously did it on their show on uh, Siskel and Ebert and Ebert was 
enjoyed the film, said it touches on fear, and that's why it appeals to us. He liked De Mornay's performance. Gene Siskel took issues with it, said he really, his biggest objection were the scenes with children in jeopardy or emotional turmoil. I mean, reasonable. (laughs) It's crazy because, like, in the 90s, it's sort of like, in the 80s and 70s, like, there were a lot of movies that had kids in peril. Like, Cloak and Dagger has kids shooting adults. With yeah. guns. Yeah. And Do you remember like, Carrie when all the children die at prom? Yeah. yeah. And then, like, there was this swing to, like, we can never have kids in yes. peril. Like, yes. that is a cardinal rule we will not break. So it became right. this, like, puritanical thing. So it was mm-hmm. weird to see, like, or hear, like, somebody be like, we shouldn't have kids in peril. But, like, that only increases the tension, I think. I agree. And I also think, I agree with you in the sense that there was this period, certainly through the 90s and early 2000s, where you saw that. It does feel like now it's kind of okay if it's in a genre context, right? Like, you look at a Stranger Things or you look at some of these Marvel films where it's, like, because it's so heightened and it doesn't feel like they're in real danger. But to your point, there was a period there, certainly in the 70s and 80s, where kids were just in also i mean the shining jesus now we're now we're that way with with animals now we're very much yeah. like the the cat or the dog better not die and like listen i said sounds like i'm being shitty no if a cat or dog dies in a movie i know i get so upset i know unless it's really well done like when the the, the dog when the dog gets eaten in lost world that's like sure. my one favorite moment of lost or or uh, or in poison ivy you, you, you didn't have a problem with that oh that was so good i think yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. also same year as this yeah. Yeah. 92 it's so uh i i want to i want to uh go back to what you were saying um about clayton about uh ernie hudson's character solomon oh. um i'd like you guys to talk about that for a second okay um it was a time it was a time from from a i'm gonna approach this from a narrative standpoint first. yes yes this organization, better, better day, day better day, not better, better, day, way, better way, better day society, <laughs> sends disabled black man to rich white people's house, who doesn't, who rang the doorbell but didn't hear, walked around mm-hmm. the back, breaks uh, her orange juice that she just uh, squeezed, you know, glass. Uh, <laughs> husband chases him outside. Which uh, doesn't play well today. <laughs> doesn't play well. I, I mean, like, it's because he gets hit and he grabs him, and he then does. trusts him immediately. Immediately come in the house. I and I don't want to put this at the feet of Ernie Hudson because I actually think that Ernie Hudson is giving a a, a, a heartfelt performance. Like I don't, it's I don't sincere. think I, he's he's it's sincere, sincere and he's trying. Yeah. Um, and it and it and I would argue I have seen far worse performances of intellectually disabled characters by any number of actors um you know he's towing a tough line he has a it's it's a tough role um it's it is interesting to watch it through the lens of 2023 and emily i'm very curious as to hear your thoughts on this in terms of sort of the, the the tropes that it's you know navigating and and there is something sort of unseemly, I guess, to some degree of it being a black character on top of everything else. You know what I mean? It's just like it, there's a lot of stuff going on here. That's and, uh, and what and what Peyton uses to torture this man. Ugh. 
like what sexual his, molestation like, spoiler it's crime that he gets yeah. accused like especially yeah. like i didn't see like you know yeah. you're stupid when you're eight but now as an adult like you know the mother is sexually assaulted by her doctor mm-hmm. and then peyton uses and by the way never know if peyton's really her name or not they never no. clear up you call her mrs mont and then that's it yeah but uh then you then stuffs her her daughter's i'm sorry rebecca de mornay stuffs her daughter's underwear in mm-hmm. solomon's part of yeah. stuff like his like tool his tools tool, tool thing yeah. tool cart, um where uh she is hoping that annabelle sierra will find it mm-hmm. at some point you know because you know she does point her in that direction yeah she's, she's like hey she maybe sure yeah um, and I just feel like a lot of the reactions mm-hmm. are not real world reactions. Oh yeah, like her asthma is the most emotional asthma I've ever seen in my life. It's a little dramatic. And I've seen a lot. And my my mother has asthma. Mm. I've known people with asthma. Like like when she like dies for like half a second, I was like like yeah, like <laughs> you just gotta go now <laughs> because this there's no way to live. Yeah. This is tuberculosis. This isn't asthma anymore. Um, yeah, and it's just such. It, it, it's so it, they make it such a crux of the movie that when then Ernie Hudson is like becomes the hero, mm-hmm. I guess, and follows them everywhere, mm-hmm. and no, no, no criminal charges at all. Like, no, no, no investigation. Everyone's just like, yeah, he probably did it. Let's just get his card out of here. And then, and then on top of it, we hear sort of, you know, uh, in in backfilled dialogue that he's that this organization has sent him back out into the world. Easy. So, I mean, you, you, if, if I didn't know better, I would thought this is the wine scene company that was sending people I around. Mean, They're just like, yeah. We've heard of the Catholic Church. This is not unprecedented. <laughs> this, is true. this is true. This is true. <laughs> Hard to dispute. Yeah. Hmm. Wait, are you saying that sometimes <laughs> they turn a blind eye to these things? We, we, we don't hold people accountable? Mm-hmm. It's shocking. Mm-hmm. Shocking. I, I think, weird... yes, please go, Courtney, please. There's a, there's a weird thing with their sort of selective, the Bartels sort of selective reasoning. Like, they'll, they're okay with filing charges against the doctor who molested mm-hmm. uh, Claire, but Correct. then... When it comes to Solomon, they're like, no, no, let's not, let's not say anything about this. Mm-hmm. So I think it's sort of like, it doesn't quite, it's a little sloppy in the way that it sort of follows through with the kind of notion of, you know, the way I saw this movie is that it's this evil coming into this perfect suburban house and messing with it and sort of breaking all their glass and saying, you have to deal with this. And it's this couple who slowly, who are way too trusting of people. And yes. so they just keep on trusting and they, they just rationalize way too much. Sort of like the family in, um, what was that movie that was just out? See, see no evil. Um, where they're oh, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, they're just like rationalizing all this behavior. And it's weird that they, rationalize one thing and then don't rationalize the other with solomon is it because maybe they just don't want to believe it or maybe they 
just well also the daughter never admit like they keep yeah. trying to press press her about it yeah and she's, she's like, like fine yeah she's like, i'm not fine. scared of solomon yeah like it was it was yeah. very like so i think if anything and maybe the movie just doesn't clear something leaves it ambiguous so we could access the second half of the film i guess but maybe then at some point they just rationalize it as like okay he didn't touch her he just took her underwear maybe that's all he did i yeah yeah without without the testimony of emma it's it's you know especially in this time period it's going to be tricky emily emma needs you not to use legal terms in this movie (laughs) like the testimony of little little emma who's the worst kid ever like i'm gonna (laughs) she's terrible she's terrible terrible she's child listen Listen, though, I'm just looking at the, I have a Rebecca DeMornay cradling a baby as my backdrop if you're not watching this on, mm-hmm. on Patreon. And I really does look like she's just holding me tightly. And it's I lovely. like it. I'm into um, it. I, uh, I do think I'm, I'm going to say a thing that sounds like a bummer. And I promise I'm just going to breeze right by it. And we're all going to pretend I didn't say it. But I am a survivor of child sexual abuse. And like, there is this thing that this movie taps into sort of accidentally which is in the 90s, nobody believed kids about anything. So, like, everyone believes Mrs. Mott, you know, because she's a credulous adult. They don't believe Solomon because he's, you know, got mental mental handicap. And they don't believe Emma when she says, no, nothing like this happened. They child. believe yeah. this adult. And, like, that's the whole reason that child sexual abuse, like, scandals and, like, the Catholic Church and everything were, ran so rampant because nobody, like, fucking listened to kids. We still don't, we're, but we're slightly better at it now than we were back then. Mm-hmm. So this movie, like, accidentally taps into it by trying to tell the opposite message, which is, like, mo- which, like, sort of suggests that most CSA scandals are, like, cooked up. But, yeah, I actually... I should, I always say CSA and people think I'm talking about like farming or something <laughs> instead of child sexual abuse, child sexual abuse scandals. Better. I also think that the film shows as did a fair amount of movies, it seems in the early nineties of sort of how susceptible families are to any sort of emotional or physical uh, intrusion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was just all of this stuff, there's rampant kind of, because listen, these movies were relatively inexpensive to make. These were thrillers before, you know, special effects took over and before all these kind of franchises and tentpoles and what have you. Um, and these, these were, you know, good earners for studios. Like it, it made sense to make these movies. Um, that being said, it is interesting, you know, Emily and I have probably close to 10 of them to cover in 1992. And at a certain point, you're just like, okay, so you've got psychotic roommate, you've got psychotic nanny, you've got, I mean, like psychotic cop, like it's all just sort of people that are so. And you're talking about single life, you know, unlawful entry, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But like, it's, you know, there's just, and, and then final analysis, like even your psychiatrist could be up to no, like, it's just everything that you take for granted as quote unquote, good people are all psychotic. So there is something there too. I mean. Uh, and, and, and just, just to add to that, I think yeah. when, as, uh, <laughs> when you were talking about, uh, you know, being susceptible to like intrusion, I thought you were just referring to the blanket access people can get into this house well, with no effort whatsoever. <laughs> like Peyton finds yeah. her way back in Solomon, our intellectually disabled man yes. gets back into the house. Everyone can just access and they're rich. Like he's a scientist and they don't have like alarm systems. They, Nothing. they you know, 
Yeah. They have the worst um, clock alarms to wake them up in the morning. <laughs> and and I still will never understand, and I don't buy, by sheer physics, mm. how Marlene dies. Uh, that was a big question I had, which was, she, and part of it was because of the way that it was shot, because she kind of goes like this, and the, the glass all kind of falls on her, and That's she protection. seems like she's fine. You needed some close-ups of, like, it actually, like, you know, killing her. You, you need Seed of Chucky-level mirror, <laughs> yes, yes, like, yes. coming down yeah. and actually slicing her. It, I was just like, why is she dead? And why did she move? Why does she have so, such bad It's. I mean, not to mention the fact that, let's just say, for instance, that big shards of glass did somehow puncture her skin or what have you. It wouldn't kill her fast. And she, she would definitely be able to. She would definitely oh. be able to walk out of that. Car and, of that and, and no one in the neighborhood heard it. No, yeah. no one. She would at least, yeah, yeah. She would at least like scream like hell. Like, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's. I, I also you, you brought up something, Clayton, in terms of how easy it is to get into this house. The movie essentially opens with Solomon being like, "Do you want this picket fence to keep people in or keep people out?" And I'm like. It's gonna do neither. So, yeah. <laughs> so by by the end of the movie, we learned that Solomon failed at his at his job. <laughs> it did kill. Are, it did kill her though. People are just get. Oh yeah, that's true. Oh my! I don't think I've ever put that together. That it's the actual fence that kills her. Uh, it looks like it hurts though. Oh, my God, it down. looks like it hurts, and that's also something that would not kill her quickly, unfortunately. But that's well, neither I, here well, I, I think maybe she could have broken her back. Like, oh, that's interesting because she like. Like she pushes her. Like, oh yeah, she gives her a good. It, it, it was almost like a donkey kick. Rolling start off the roof. Too. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, yeah so much momentum, momentum was building up. It was like I, a Looney so, Tunes cartoon. It was like Riley Coyote. I wanted to give um, just a touch of uh, production stuff, which I didn't know about. Uh, that that uh, Annabella and Rebecca auditioned for inverted roles, which is kind of crazy to think about because. Annabella doesn't give off a, although she is crazy on The Sopranos, but she's doesn't really give off a total crazy vibe. But that's interesting. And then the other thing that I learned, which I didn't know, is that Rebecca de Mornay was angling to get the part of Tinkerbell in Hook, and so she was trying really hard to get that job. She loses it to Julia Roberts, and it kind of pissed her off a little bit, I guess. So that they nicknamed her tinker hell on the on the set of this movie because she was apparently not easy to work with which i think is That's, they just call me that for no reason <laughs> <laughs> it's your nickname that's my nickname did, did you also see that this movie was shot by mr god himself robert elswood who one of the best dps be, ever yeah the shot there will be blood <laughs> like one incredible and like that? mission impossible ghost protocol one thing I love is as we're working our way through these mm-hmm. 92 movies, a lot of great DPs, like all-time DPs, are doing their first couple movies yep. in this period. So just like it'll just be like, and here's Emmanuel Lubezki's like weird rom-com. And you're like, okay. <laughs> um, I, that, that's a random example I made up. But yeah, like yeah. you're just like, oh, of course Robert Elswit shot this. Who else yeah, would have? We are like four years from A Little Princess, Emmanuel Lubezki's first Oscar nomination. I was yeah. like, it's been four years yeah. at this time. I mean, that movie's fucking gorgeous. It's so, beautiful, yeah. yeah. There was and the someone editor... that... Yeah, sorry, go, please go ahead. Sorry. sorry. The editor on this, too, I was digging deep, too, mm. into the production mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. He got an Oscar nom for Die Hard. 
So, sure, and sure. he had worked on a bunch of like all these manly, muscular, like action movies in the 80s. And then here he is making this transition to like these Disney movies. I guess maybe he was like an in house Disney person because he also worked on like a Mighty Duck sequel and a bunch of other like touchstone movies, Hollywood Pictures type movies. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of funny to learn that like, the action isn't very well cut together, like especially Not the greenhouse thing. And I do think of Die Hard when I watch this for sure. It <laughs> right. feels very. Well, there's very, a lot of breaking glass. There's yeah, a lot there of breaking is. glass That's in true. this movie. People walk well, on know, a lot of glass in this yes. movie. Too. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? I think at this time also, there were a lot of like, <laughs> like marketing teams were probably the worst that they've ever been because they were marketing things like comedies, like Kindergarten Cop, sure. and then murdering people at the end of it uh that a ferret on its like face and then like turner and hooch is like around this time and it's like oh like you know when they just blatantly like shoot craig t nelson with a shotgun and then show them shoot a dog which is horrific in hindsight now but yeah like everyone's just like yeah we can handle stuff except for kids being in a little bit of danger in peril i you know i do think it's you, you bring up sort of the these sort of muscular thriller type things, which truthfully is kind of Curtis Hansen's bag for like the first half of his career, which I think is pretty interesting too. Um, I choose, I think that a version of this movie that is like the diehard version of Charlotte Perkins Gilman's The Yellow Wallpaper would have been like amazing. Like there's did you just like, pitch something to us? Are you I just did. I just did. I'm making The Yellow Wallpaper as an action thriller, Annabelle Sior is hiding in the walls of her house because she's been replaced by Rebecca De Mornay, but she's going to get her revenge. This sounds fucking this awesome. Sounds I'm going to do it. I, yeah, I'm do seriously. It. I mean, I, I just think it's this movie sort of, I mean, I think this is a surprise hit. I, I'd be shocked if anyone thought that this movie was going to do the, the business that it did. And, and it obviously leads into a year where, you know, Basic Instinct makes over $400 million at the box office. It's the third highest grossing film of the year. Um, That's basically close to a billion dollars today. Um, So it is interesting how this movie kind of teased that up in a lot of ways. There were movies obviously before it, but still like, and then this movie sort of opens up Curtis Hansen's career to a certain degree. The next film he does is The River Wild. The Good movie. And Meryl should be more of an action hero. We really missed out on that. She's so. always missed out on her action films, which are River Wild and Comedies, Death Becomes Her. Sure. Like, sure. literally her best yeah. stuff is in that, like, stretch. It's It's really kind of kind of fascinating. And then, obviously, he does LA Confidential, Wonder Boys, 8 Mile. Like, he's got a fascinating career. And, and it is interesting to sort of look at it through the prism of, I mean, I've never seen Bad Influence. Have you guys seen Bad Influence? Yeah. Is yeah. it good? Yeah, it is. It's actually a capable thriller. And, again... Another two lead, yep. like really good, well done uh, relationship with the guys. Very yin and yang sort of. Very angel devil thing yes. going on. And yeah, I always sure. and I always confuse it with bad lieutenant. Yeah, very different. All the time. Very different. <laughs> oh, very his very. Different. Very. Um, different. So wait, I just I, yeah. to go into some more spoilers here. I love yeah. making fun of movies I love so much. Um. So aside from Peyton dying. I'm not Peyton. I'm not, uh, Marlene dying by yes, 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 glass yes. falling mm-hmm. on her for whatever reason. Uh-huh. Peyton's plans are really dumb plans a lot yeah, in this movie. And one idea. of the worst ones is the surprise party plan, which makes no goddamn sense. 
And I but don't it does know... create a great scene though. It does give I us mean... a beautifully awkward sequence. Oh yeah, like I have pro- I have projected uh, anxiety for her. I was like, oh, this is the worst. If I was in that room, I would have left. I couldn't stand there and hear all that. Yeah. And also, he just didn't talk fast enough. No. Nope. Like I was like, no. dude, spit it out quicker. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let her know. Yeah. yeah. But, like like you weren't in the wrong until you let her continue. Yeah. For several minutes, and I hated that the daughter was like, "Mom, let's go inside." I was like, "You are inside, you idiot!" Like you're in the kitchen. Can I ask a bigger question though? Sure. Is is Matt McCoy a good husband in this movie? Because hmm. <laughs> like, and I don't mean that in like I know that's a binary good bad whatever. I just mean in the sense that he just seems like kind of inept. He just seems sort of oh he's a moron. He's but... not quite he's not quite doofy husband, you know. Yeah. But I think right. he's just, as you said, inept. I think he's just not aware of things. Like he's aware enough of like hey, it's the 90s. You don't have to do everything now if, that you're a mother. You can have help because uh, uh-huh. it's the 90s. But him, like, and, him and Solomon have the same amount of capabilities it seems oh, like, wow. in, in the yeah. house. Because also there's like, like listen, maybe because you know I'm Puerto Rican and black. My wife is Puerto Rican and Cuban. Mm. By nature, she's a little crazy. There's no way. Yeah. Stay away no, from this. There is no goddamn way my wife lets me go have drinks with my ex girlfriend from years ago, and just like, and then I come home and like, you smell like smoke, and then it's just like he's also a bad liar it. on top of everything like, oh, else. He's just, but it, he's just really bad at this. Emily, you like, looked like you had something to say about uh, the the. the, the, the um, I think you know what. I think he's. I think he's a terrible character. I don't think he's like very smart. I think he just does stuff to make the plot go. Mm. I think by the standards of nineties movie husbands, he's pretty good. <laughs> just like in terms of when his wife is like, This man sexually assaulted me in a scenario that I think a lot of men at the time would not have read as sexual assault. He takes her seriously. He yeah. says, Hey, let's report this so it doesn't happen to anybody else. He is like very calmly, things, by the way. Yeah. Very, very calmly. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like, like, like it's gonna happen to someone else who's very logical yeah. about yeah. it. That sets you up for a very different character than what you see in the rest of the movie. But yeah. he does love Gilbert and Sullivan. And as we all know, that's, you know, well, that it's is a sign, a sign of, a, of a good man. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that it's interesting because, like, he, it's interesting what you were saying, Emily, about how he's very calm and collected. Um, he, you know what I mean? He doesn't seem like he doesn't ever really jump to conclusions, particularly, which is he, probably. He can't even reject it. Peyton properly. There's I only love one that she misinterprets that, though, as like. But like, like, yeah, it's stupid that she read it that way, but also stupid that he said it that way. Like, just be like, yeah, yeah. now I'm not, we're not going to bang right here in the kitchen, and yeah, we're all, and we're wet, and and I'm and I'm ninety percent sure he was sucking in his stomach. Is is he hot? No, I don't know by like ninety <laughs> standards. I mean, I he's. No, like, it's a good beard for sure. Like... It's a good beard. It's a solid he did, beard. He did. Be, he did grow up to become the AARP guy, though. So... Courtney, I, I want to hear. I want to hear your thoughts on the hotness of. Yeah, hot or not? Boy. Yeah. Uh, not for me. Not <laughs> hot for me. But I think he's decent looking for like '90s movie husbands. I think. <laughs> Gilbert he's is so ugly. His friend. His yes. Size, yes. Size, he was like, he's our nanny, Gilbert. And then Gilbert's he's, like, Gilbert's like, yeah. Gilbert's like, what are you doing, man? I mean, Matt McCoy has a certain guy in the guy in the frame that when you buy the photo, like he, that's the picture that's in the oh, frame. Yeah. 
he's got that certain quality to him where it's like he's like yeah yeah, he's like he's okay looking but you're also like "Mm, you know uh tom amandis would have kicked this up a notch yeah it's also like there's no way you're good in bed man there's no way like like you're you're pretty standard i also wonder um so the other person that was up for this role was kevin spacey um who who would uh (laughs) make it even more problematic Oh, might, might as well have just invited the seventh heaven dad why not let's just get everybody in here but the kevin spacey thing is interesting because emily and i have we were talking with uh, karina longworth a few weeks ago about consenting adults uh that movie. The, the movie where you know kevin spacey and kevin klein clearly fall, fall in love, love. Fall, fall in love, love and yeah. no one seems to be the wiser um yeah. he would be very strange in this role like he just say what you will about matt mccoy he's a little bit vanilla he's a whatever but like he also has this bordering on an alpha male kind of vibe to him like he does seem like a kind of everyman, you know american dad whatever kevin spacey does not yeah, no. Just I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm even thinking about like Marty, uh, Julianne Moore's husband. Yes, like yeah. how who was also a doofus. And by the way, we yes. never, like, we don't even see him mourn. <laughs> like no. his wife has been killed. I'm sure he. I would have sued the hell out of them. He's like, there to yeah. crack a blowjob joke and leave. That's basically. And, and no, and no one thought to ask. Like, hey, you know, like why was she over your house in the middle of the day? Like everyone, everyone's like the, 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 the way they need to get out the driveway. Like yes, yes, yes. Like the car why been. wasn't anybody like looking at her car and like being like, "Hey, there's papers in here. Let me investigate." Yeah. And they and they only assume, by the way, that Annabelle Sura had a asthma attack again mm-hmm. because she saw her, and no one even like questioned her. But like, nope. did you kill her? Because. There's We've seen some bad there. cops in our 92 adventures thus far, Emily, but I think the cops in this town are maybe the worst cops. They're bad cops. You know, they're not, they're no Ray Liotta in Unlawful <laughs> Entry. No, no one's Ray yeah. Liotta. But I, I gotta say, watching all of these movies back to back to back to back to back to back, just like, just kind of soul crushing. Like, I'm not... <laughs> Not in like a way where I'm like not enjoying doing the show or whatever. Like we went on a streak there where like we, we did, did like Last of the Mohicans and like Passion yeah. Fish. And I was like, right, good movies yeah. can be made. And then you were like, well, we got to get back to the, the erotic thrillers and erotic thriller adjacent movies. And some, some of them good, I've liked. Good movies coming up. Just some of them worth. I've liked. Some, But like it just it is this like thing where as a woman watching movies yes. from the early 90s i'm like oh right they were like really not thinking very much of my like this movie is ostensibly kind of aimed at women it's written by a woman it it's uh you know got two the two primary characters mm-hmm. are women but they just very much are like they're very stereotypical portrayals of you know a good woman bad woman and like well, well, a, 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 a question for you and, and, and courtney in, in this because when you sit, because I'm a stupid eight year old again at the time, <laughs> I'm, I'm watching. So like, obviously they use, quote unquote, the, the the ultimate sin that you can commit against another woman is breastfeed her child. You're mm-hmm. like they you really, but the way that Curtis Hansen directs that scene mm-hmm. with the music swell makes it sound like it's really beautiful in the moment. Like, because yep. the music swells in in a way, it's like, oh, look, he's breastfeeding, and like, it's it's not like played for like the shock of like, oh my god. By the way, 
feet away from the bed. Like, got, they, we're CP, we're Child Protective Services. Yeah. Children. That the, the, the creakiest house we've ever heard. They, they mm-hmm. can't hear someone just because they put a pillow over the baby monitor. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's how that works. I have a baby. You just put a pillow over it and then you can just ignore the baby forever. Before you do that, fine. you wait a second and you look as though you're going to smother the baby with the pillow. Oh, every day. You- Which, by the way, just do that. Because then you disappear and no one ever... No one's going to be like, where's Peyton? Be like, there was never a Peyton. It's Bruce Willis who's dead the whole time. No one knows. I do think, though, on the feminism side of things, which I think is completely valid, Sybil Shepard apparently turned down this role because of her feminist beliefs. She felt that the film was not a particularly Ooh, I could positive... I see her playing this, too. It's very she would have been pretty great in the Rebecca de Mornay role, but... Uh... I can't. I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. So the 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 breastfeeding angle of this is, I yeah, had what a baby. Is this movie saying about breastfeeding. I had a baby six months ago. Both my wife and I uh, breastfed for a second, and then the baby was like, "I prefer formula," and we were like, "We prefer not pumping every six time, every six sure, 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 minutes." Sure. Yeah. Um, this is a very intense conversation you guys were having. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was the baby, and I were having this conversation. <laughs> yeah. So um, we, you know, we stopped, and it's just like. The way in which this the scene where Annabelle Shore is like, that's a breast pump. And the realtor's like, that's a strange milk. That's a strange toy. Like, everyone's like, so stupid in this. It's, <laughs> like, but how did she deduce what she deduced from the breast pump machine? Well, I guess, how many times have you been in this house, sir? Like, it's the first time you saw this? <laughs> well, there's that too. It's, but yeah, it's like, it it just feels like in theory all of this is possible in theory you could like have this happen but it just mm-hmm. it does not feel attached to any form of of like like what the body is capable of or like what i just peyton does not feel like a real person she feels like a movie villain and that's fine like that's what this movie needs mm-hmm. but it because the rest of the movie is just kind of this weird bland soup it becomes this movie about uh, it, it's kind of the basic instinct thing, except basic instinct is so much better than this movie. Cause that movie rips. Like, yeah. There, it's like, there is this one like really like compelling woman who's like trying to take things back for herself. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. There's, there's the thing about 
just the thing about about how you should be raising your own child, basically, which I think this movie's trying to shame and almost hear into. It's, Courtney, I, please say yeah. more. I'm I'm going off. No, I, also, I, wait, I just say I also don't know like what her ultimate end goal was. Like, to steal what? the family. Mm-hmm. She like, wanted to what, steal like, the family for her own. She wanted to steal the kids. She wanted and to the steal husband. the kids yeah. because. But I don't think she wanted the husband. At, I think the husband came at like. But, like, revenge she... revenge is her only desire so, courtney is holding up the dvd the blu-ray that says that is that the tagline revenge is her what is it revenge is her only desire <laughs> but i think she wants the family because she's like you know at the end when they fight she's like and she knocks out she skiora in the basement she's like my family so I like mean, i think at that point she, she already broke mister's legs yeah, she she just her new husband oh, has broken legs. She's like I do love like misery. <laughs> I love that he's just like in the basement with broken legs for he, a good like solid fifteen minutes while all the stuff's still, going on in the attic. No crawl up the stairs, it. nothing. He's like, he's like I am gonna stay I here. Hear the commotion, it's fine. I'm sure he's like, okay. Claire broke my uh, Claire. My my legs are broken. You have to go. Peyton's in the house. He's so mm-hmm. calm about it. Meanwhile, like if any of us broke both our legs, we would be screaming bloody murder. Absolutely. Or scream, Absolutely. run, Peyton's in the house. Yes. I actually broke I broke both my legs earlier in the podcast, and I think I've been doing a really great job of like doing a great keeping job. it in. No yeah. one would know the wiser. Yeah. I, I, I do think that like I expected this movie to be a little bit more violent than it was. Like, not not that I have some sort of a bloodlust per se, but this movie because did have a higher body count. I just kind of, yeah, I was a little bit surprised that it a takes longer than I thought to kind of get us into the movie. We we spoke early about sort of like there's a good like 15 minutes or so before Rebecca De Mornay enters the picture in a tremendous entrance, the most Greatest. ominous. Stop bus. Stopping a bus. And then just like the bus squeals to a stop and she just walks out. It's great. Um, perfect. But yes, yeah, so please. Yeah. I just was saying it's a perfect entrance. It it's is like, perfect. That was, that was my favorite part of the movie. I was like, oh, it's all, it's all up from here. And it was all down from there. It's also <laughs> a great, it's a great coat. But she also then dresses like very weirdly. Like after that. I don't know if that was part of her. Life. I haven't said in the dressing. I think she dressed so blandly to yes. sort of lull them into a sort of safe mode there's nothing safer than somebody in a white button down with prime, like looks good all khakis just really dressed plainly and like she walks like she knows what she's doing and where she's going and i think that lulls people into a sense of security whereas like totally. if she was dressed hot then it would I mean, be a little i mean let, let, let's not forget that she also says oh i was such a little girl in the park mm-hmm. and i just showed up here so can I come in your house? Yeah. Yes. Come in my house. Nanny, it's Nanny's it's a talk. sweaty script. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's definitely I swe- a script. I like that that sweaty. It's sweaty. it's it's definitely trying to get where it needs to go. And I I, I guess I was just surprised by the first fifteen minutes because. I mean, obviously you have this obstetrician and this this molestation and you've got like a miscarriage and you're cross-cutting between like her delivering this, you know, this miscarriage and cross-cutting with the the this blissful family that is completely unaware of what, you know, they have wrought. It's just all these things are like interesting. And then her reveal, like when she does show up and you're like, oh shit. It it gets to Emily's point, like it really kind of gets to a, a nice point, like a half hour into the movie. And then unfortunately, I mean, again, this is just me. And I know that this is 92 and all of these things. But 
I felt so ahead of the movie because we know she's evil that you're spending a good swath of the midsection of this movie just being like, she's Hurry evil. Do something. Hurry up and do something. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's evil. Like, get her out of your house. You know what I mean? So it's, do you know what I'm saying, Emily? I wish this movie. So Consenting Adults has sort of a variation on this where Kevin Spacey yes. replaces Kevin Klein in this family. Oh. Yep. I wish this movie had just gone there. I wish it had been like, okay, Rebecca De Mornay has taken over your role as wife and mother, Annabella Sciorra, through whatever means you want to. Like, I wish it had gone further down that road, yeah. but I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if Hollywood would have let itself go there in the I mean, 90s. Emily, just, Emily yeah. they do show the scene where she's playing cards with the husband and daughter. And she's looking from the top of the stairs and she's right. like, it's Oh my God, I lost my family. <laughs> right. And walks away. <laughs> like Listen, it, was, it was so clear. I understand. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the thing I worry about when I see a, a strange woman playing cards with my husband and daughter. But, um, it's... but I would, I, I do want to speak to what both of you were saying. Cause I think there's something to this idea as well. And this was, we still have this in movies, not as common, thankfully, but we still have the, um, people telling a woman she's crazy you know what i mean the 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 like you know that only happens life, in movies that, that's it yeah. only happens <laughs> in movies i know but I, i'm just speaking to this idea because i did feel for claire about halfway through this film when like it's abundantly clear to us what's being done to her obviously and slowly but surely everything's kind of spinning out of control like the scene that kind of broke me a little bit was when uh, she's supposed to drop off the husband's proposal at FedEx, which then was Federal Express. Um, and she and and fucking Rebecca DeMornay steals it and tears it up and has this like weird fucking mental breakdown in the bathroom stall. And then because that's the moment when it starts, when I think Claire starts to feel crazy, like she's starting to unravel because Rebecca DeMornay is pulling the rug out from underneath her so you feel sorry for her and then you get to this place where it's like but yeah now it's it's messy i just I but, but but also it really brings back you know when we were all younger we know what a, a typewriter was so you couldn't just go download another print out another copy like <laughs> it is devastating it is devastating that, that is but his he only copy it. He takes yeah. it pretty in stride, though. Like he when does, she, he, he dismisses her, but yes, he does take it pretty. <laughs> I just, I understand. I guess this comes back to sort of like, what is he going to do? But I don't know. It's just all, all of this stuff kind of is swirling around her, and I do feel like Claire doesn't have enough agency. In a way, like she's building this 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 fucking greenhouse. <laughs> basically the whole movie and is sort of like there's a part of me at the beginning of the movie and emily i'm sure you can speak to this as as i'm everyone can because i'm sure everyone on here has children and i don't um no okay sorry no we, um, have, no, we have greenhouses okay <laughs> but but there's this moment early on where she's like basically breastfeeding her new infant and she's talking about how she wants to build a greenhouse and her husband's like maybe don't try to build a greenhouse right now it feels like a lot to take on and she's like no no no, i can do it i can do it and the answer is because i'm not going to be doing anything with my kids that's going to be someone else's problem so i can build a greenhouse he also says that you don't have to do everything yourself i was like she'll build a fucking greenhouse man like like, what are you talking about like i don't understand what the argument was about because it wasn't like when we had emma i was like that was two years ago because emma's like five so what what was what's been the big change like obviously you guys are doing so well 
Like, Apparently, but there, everything around. dangles by a thread because if this proposal doesn't get in, it all falls apart. But Emily, do you have thoughts on, are you building a greenhouse right now? Um, I mean, I just joined the staff of a television show <laughs> with my with my wife and writing partner. And literally last week, we got this job as we're recording this. I, I'll, I'll point this in time for you. My mom, my mom just texted me, is there going to be a strike? And I'm like, mom, what, what are you doing? You live in. What I love is that Emily and I were texting, obviously, as, as all this was on, uh, you know, happening with this job for, for Libby and her. And she's like, yeah, I guess we have to figure out how to, what we're going to do with our kid during the day. Yes. So then we were, so, okay. So last week, it was like, it's like Thursday. We're like, okay, we have the offer. We're going to get the job. So mm. we got to find some childcare. And we started just like blind calling daycare centers in Los Angeles. And they would like laugh at us. <laughs> and we think we have like, we think we have a lead on childcare as I record this. But like, it That's is good. like, like it was fun to watch this movie as I was having this conversation with myself. Now, uh, babies. If you, if, if you didn't stop a bus with your hand, yeah. Emily, you're yeah. just doing it wrong. You're just they, not doing uh, it right. They, come up to you off the street and yeah. talk. Oh, that's such a fun. Listen, if you are listening to this podcast and you want to replace either me or my wife and our family, but you will offer free childcare, please we'll, DM Emily. We'll, yeah. Please DM me. I'm listening. Do you have um, a basement apartment like just readily available? No. They'll make one. They'll make one. Yeah. We'll make one. Yeah. No. Um, I. It is this thing where, like, babies, you intellectually, before you have a baby, you understand that, like, a baby takes a lot of time and effort and attention and everything. And what is really kind of hard to accept is that, oh, it, it, that happens constantly every day of your life, but simultaneously, they don't take as much attention as you think they do. So, like, mm. you have to constantly be near the baby and be ready to take care of the baby and be ready to leap out and grab the sure. baby. But also, they need a little bit of time to themselves. Mm -hmm. So, like, that is where, you know, having a, a really conscientious nanny or daycare center or something comes in. And, like, this movie does sort of capture that that weird anxiety of, yeah. I need someone to raise my kid. But it's, it is, again, through this very, like, 90s lens of, oh, if a woman is not raising her own child, she leaves the door open for someone to come in and steal that child. Um, and Courtney, you're nodding. I want to hear I want to hear more of your thoughts about, about evil, evil child care options. And actually, if there are any in Los Angeles that are evil, please let me know. I'm currently looking. Please and they might have yeah, openings. Emily. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, draw, did you feel like draw this? inspiration from somewhere, right? Like, hey, yeah. Get ready for this gig. Well, I do agree with that. Um, it's definitely not something that occurred to me when I was like 12 and watching this and going, yeah, punch her in the face. Like that felt so cathartic when that happens in the theater. It does. Um, it like people cheered, like people cheered yeah. every time that would happen when I would see the movie. But, um, all five but times. It's like, yeah, all five times. And, um, but definitely like it's, it is one of those things they were doing like a home invasion thriller, but with you losing your family and losing control of your life. And it's definitely pointedly at women. And I don't think it's very, it really does sort of backfire on, on the screenwriter or, you know, that it is very anti-women. Like, like I said, at the top of the show, like, you let somebody come in here, they're going to steal your whole family. And you just can't do that. Women, you can't work. Like, God forbid you have, like, empowerment and agency and want to do something for yourself because then you'll lose control. And this and is she'll, and she'll, and she'll come with a shovel. 
Yeah, she'll come at yeah. you with the she'll shovel. She'll fuck you up with the shovel. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I mean, I... Sorry, yes, Emily. Sorry. I'm 90% sure I'm ripping this off from Karina's erotic 90s mm-hmm. series, but it, or erotic 80s even. But it is like, there is this this quality to all of these movies that is very much about the American family, specifically from the perspective of the American man, the American husband. Here's a baby. Here's <laughs> Surprise. There's a baby. Um, um, this idea of like, oh, there is a certain way the family should be put together. But here in the 80s and 90s, we're like challenging that. And yes. that is challenging the, the role of men. But these movies are framed as though, oh, women should think about how this is a bad thing. And I think that's like a fascinating con- contradiction in them. I'm going to turn off Rebecca de Mornay so we can all look at my actual baby mm. instead of the I, one But I think you're making a really good point, Emily. And, and there's this line that, that uh, Julianne Moore has as Marlene where she says, these days a woman can be a failure if she's not bringing in $50,000 a year and still made time for blowjobs and homemade lasagna. Um, which is obviously supposed to be kind of like a, you know, kind of sneaky, jokey kind of thing. I mean, from but... the realtor. <laughs> the the, the power hungry real close to the screen. Um, but I, I do think that there's something very kind of um, insidious about what you're what you're talking about, uh, both Emily and, and, and Courtney, and in, in the sense that, like, there's this they're kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth, right? Like they're, they want sort of female empowerment, but they also want to be like, but be careful what you wish for. Cause you're going to fuck up the whole family dynamic now. And it's, it's all, you know, is it worth it? Is it really worth it? And I, I think that that stuff is toxic, obviously, and, and, and deeply problematic, but it speaks to the time of sort of when, you know, post eighties, you know, we're now sort of coming into the, obviously coming into the nineties and you have sort of, you know, Clinton's about to get, He's about to win, and and there's kind of this period where you've got toxic masculinity mixed with women trying, understandably, to have their own careers and their own lives, and it, it's all kind of fascinating. Right, uh, right around this time when this. Sorry, Courtney. Uh, no, go for if it. I continue. Yeah. Right around this time when uh, this movie comes out in theaters is Super Bowl, whatever it is. The Super Bowl's that year, and they have this 60 minutes interview interspersed with it where it's Hillary Clinton talking about how she uh, supports her husband through his affairs. The Jennifer flowers affair had been revealed. And, but she's, and she like says in there something about how she's, you know, not just going to stand by my man, blah, blah, blah. Not time. That that ignited a fucking media firestorm. Like it is, it is really easy to forget how, terribly people talked about women who had ambitions who were in marriages like committed marriages and had ambitions beyond being a wife and mother and like all of these erotic thrillers underline that except for maybe basic instinct which is about how it'd be rad to marry a serial killer so yeah but and that yeah. lesbians are, yeah, are, are it, perhaps well, and, crazy and julia moore is very and julia moore is very much that in the movie because she is like yes like she's very successful she has no kids but she's also kind of an asshole at the same time yeah you know, she's like snarky. The movie's definitely looking down its nose at her for sure. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. Listen, she does not like wind chimes. She and I don't like them either. The wind chimes that, that ultimately me. will be that Rebecca also. DeMore's undoing. Uh, uh, Courtney, I cut you off. Go ahead. I think too. We should also you can sort of chart things by what sort of movies, and probably I didn't hear Karina's point, but it might be to her point. But you can sort of chart things by what the sort of like what gets flushed into the marketplace and it's always what studio executives are going for at the moment like 
what they're going through in their own life. So like we had a lot of bad dad movies of like, I'm not there for my kid. So we have a lot of these like Santa Claus movies. We have a lot of these like, you know, maybe that's a little bit later on, but like we have those sort of movies. So like during this time, like a lot of these studio executives have, you know, kids at home, their wives want to go back to work but then they still need some childcare and nanny care. And so then what does that, you know, what does that entail? So I think then they're like, we got to punish our wives. The other, There's the also, other version, yes, the sir. other version of this story is a wacky comedy where a man takes care of your kids. What? How yeah, could what? that happen? That's like the episode of friends when Freddie Prince Jr. Played the Manny. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like a, it's such a good episode. But to add to that, like, there is like it's always very interesting to follow the trends of movies uh throughout because i think this like um with the bad parent this is like a year after radio flyer and mm-hmm. like you know kids will be abused and people were like hated radio flyer at the time because they were like we can't see a kid getting the hell out of them you know daily you know yeah. um and then maybe die at the end question mark it's uh <laughs> I, yeah. I do think all of this speaks to, you know, sort of the, the family dynamic. I think you're all kind of tapping into this idea of sort of how America sees families, right? Like movies and television are so much of a mirror of how people are perceiving the, the, the family unit, right? And, and you know, notoriously, The Simpsons was a really big deal, right? How The Simpsons had this kind of I mean, I think that family is working like gangbusters, if you ask me. But the fact that there was any question as to sort of the fidelity of that family unit um, is is fascinating to me. You had a lot of movies that had divorce. Obviously, divorce became a really big thing in the 80s and 90s. That, you know, broken families, all that kind of stuff. And the nuclear family, or what America thinks is a nuclear family, feels like it's the ideal right and if anything comes in the way of that it's basically a horror movie <laughs> i i do kind of want to ask uh i'm, I'm going to lead with courtney for obvious reasons but i want to hear everybody's thoughts on this what do we think this movie is saying about reporting sexual assault because annabelle shiora the movie frames it as her doing the right thing mm-hmm. but then her entire life falls apart because she did it she's and the like, one who started it yeah so so i'd, lo- I'd love for you to to think of, i mean about she, that, courtney, i mean rebecca but... demorney was working through all the women she was gonna take all <laughs> the kids <laughs> one by one by one yeah she well, she a... do you have thoughts on that courtney i feel like rebecca demorney's character i feel like peyton just had like bad directed rage like she saw since it was annabella shiora taking her down that's that's her target versus the other four women who came forward sort of inspired by claire's Mm -hmm. actions but yeah i mean it does show that as well like the here are your consequences for your actions uh you should watch out but in the beginning like you said it talks out of both sides of its mouth with this too where she reported it she did the right thing her husband's supportive of it he doesn't try to gaslight her and make her think she didn't get sexually assaulted but then like you know like you said all this bad stuff happens to her so it's kind of kind of has that both sides thing it feels like it's so close to a thing where it's like on point about rebecca demorne's real rage being at her husband and now she doesn't have a way to like place that rage but then it just turns into she wants to steal these babies and it just are, like, are, are you referring to the monologue in the greenhouse when she's like uh he wasn't like he was murdered and never caught who did it yeah and, it, and like 
subtext. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's like a few things in the movie that like I, I've wondered afterward, and I don't need movies to put everything in a nice bow. I need to know all motivations. But I, I wanted to know like, was she evil? before her husband killed herself because like the way she's mm-hmm. sitting there at, when they deliver all the news like yeah, get out of the house kind of whatever mm-hmm. before she collapses like she's just like there's like just no remorse on her face she's like what do you mean like <laughs> I, i'm gonna what do you mean i have to move <laughs> like yeah. even, like, my, I'm devastated. My, my husband's dead but then like as the movie continues when she when she when uh she's talking to emma and she's like what happened uh, to your mommy so she died when i was very young and she's like i had to take care of myself there's like this whole other backstory to pay in Correct. that we're like so did was she just already messed up and then she just like got there like then she was just like all right i gotta take care of this way i take care of it and maybe that's scarier about her because maybe that's maybe that makes it more accessible for me anyway. It's like sure. okay, it wasn't that like her husband killed herself that made her crazy. She was pretty crazy, and then she she's just doing the mafioso kind of thing, and she's like, I'm gonna take them, take everyone out. You'll get answers to all of this in my new Disney Plus series, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle: Colon Peyton Hyphen Origins. Origins. <laughs> I, I I want I want the sequel to Hand to Cradle. That's I what I want. I want. I, I do think, though, um, there's some. I agree with everything you guys are saying. I think that there's something really interesting about that first scene with Peyton when she's sort of in a boardroom. Clearly, she, you know, I, I don't completely understand the circumstances, but she's cold and calculated and seems, you know, um, obviously unhappy with the situation. But she I guess just my question in the chair like this is all she does. Yeah, she's doing a lot of that. Emily, to your question, uh, I do think that this movie is sort of, I don't know that it's necessarily saying don't report crimes, um, but it's definitely saying there could be consequences. I, I, My question is more about the actual reporters themselves and the amount of detail that they're giving in these reports on television feels like maybe we don't need to do that in terms of like when I what the, the report she sees when she's in the hospital room and it's it's basically like it might as well be giving her Claire's phone number and address like yeah, it, in, in, in this day and age of like Harvey Weinstein and Jane Doe they were just like Claire Bartell man that, yeah. that girl first one out of the yeah. gate first yeah. one out it the was... gate she kicked off this thing <laughs> that white house yeah. down there yeah crazy. it's crazy so I, I don't think that's great you look like you were going to say something. I wanted to. Uh, I would be curious. Would you or could you, Emily, ever redo this as a series? And what would you do different? They tried. They tried to do it a, a while yeah. back, and, and nobody like. I do think there. ABC I don't, Family tried to do it. Yeah. In general, I think turning movies into TV shows is kind of a weird idea that we should, you know, that is not um, obviously please give me a lot of money to turn the hand that rocks the cradle into a TV series. But like, I do think there is something in this that like, there is a kind of wild quality to its psychosexual politics that like you could, you could do something interesting with in a TV context, Mm -hmm. you know, across like eight, nine, 10 episodes. But like, I think you would have to, you would have to really deconstruct a lot of it, especially in this day and age. Or you make it a period yeah. piece. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Maybe well, that, as a well, born was... podcaster, just trying to chat. He really wants it. Yeah, well, well, that would also be the. Um, I think it could work as a limited series because <laughs> the one, the big complaint at the top of this, I had, I was like, the passage of time is just so like question mark. 
And I think you can really build like the Peyton case of it all as, yeah. you know, over the course of episodes and really see her be sinister and hopefully kill some more people. Do you remember, remember the movie uh, Hush with Jessica Lange? Yes. Do you remember when she didn't kill anyone in that movie and how pissed mm-hmm. off everyone was? Yep. Like, I mean, I mean, Peyton gets one body count out of this and we're just kind of like, oh, yeah, it doesn't feel like. Yeah. I, what if Emily? What if her baby didn't die? I would ab- What I would do, and she comes back for revenge. Sorry. Absolutely. What I would do is I would have Peyton be successful. I would have her like replace this woman, and it would turn into a diehard version of Charlotte Perkins Gilman's The Yellow Wallpaper. <laughs> Honestly, I've talked myself into wanting to write this. Disney Plus, give me a call. Let's do it. It's gonna be great. Happen. Um, I want to talk for just a quick second uh, about Julianne Moore. Because I didn't know she was in this film. When she popped up, I was like, pleasant surprise. Always a big fantasy. She's in another film in 92, uh, The Body of Evidence. Uh, a, a great, uh, taut sexual thriller that everybody loved when it came out. Um, she's in that as well. But she pops up in this. And there's sort of this moment, obviously, early in her career where she's kind of, you know, she's doing smaller supporting roles, what have you. Um, and then I feel like Safe is kind of the movie that really kind of puts her on the map in a lot of ways. Um, and that kind of launches her into into the career. She's in shortcuts as well. She's great in shortcuts. Um, so in this, it was just really interesting because she's so effortless even then. You know what I mean? Where it's just like you're just like, well, this person's obviously going to be huge. Um, and she gives the movie when she discovers the wind chimes. She puts that kind of together. We then get my favorite trope. Any movie that's got a microfiche sequence is always a good movie, as far as I'm concerned, that just never fails. And then she's in the car, she's on her cell phone, she's giving that like kind of bitchy energy that the movie really needed in that moment. And it really is sort of like a breath of fresh air that kind of really kind of propels you into the third act of the movie. She's really fantastic. She yeah, also knew that, she also knew that she wasn't home, by the way. So she called and said she's not home, and then she still went over there anyway. Still went, yeah. Just, Interesting. But yeah. I think even I, at the time too, I'm sure Clayton would speak to this as well. Even at a, as an eight year old watching this mm-hmm. movie, like Julianne Moore completely pulls focus. Like the second she's on screen, you're like, "Who is this?" And I want to know everything about her. Yeah. Like she's awesome. Who is this character? Because she's the one who like tells the truth. She's the best friend in the movie. Who she's the smartest yeah. person. In the, the smartest person. Smartest character. In the movie. She's self aware. So yeah. like we want to know everything about her. But it's like magnificent that the two things sort of collide. That they get this, you know, fantastic actress to play her, and she's just a standout. She's so good. Julianne yeah. Moore in the in, in the nineties is very much. Uh... The best way I can describe her, she's like the Philip Seymour Hoffman of the '90s. I was like just gonna say, yeah, very we, dependable. Like, just because yeah. next, the, the next year is a fugitive, and she has the smallest yeah. part in the fugitive, but I will never forget her in the fugitive. When she tears she off his a, badge, she, she plays a stupid doctor, and she's actually stupid in that movie. That character is yeah. dumb. Yeah, dumb, but, but yeah. she, but she's so good. She's, she's always great. just, she's just, you know what? I don't know. Maybe it's just like her. Her, I hate to like make it like like. As I'm staring at her right now in a May December uh, picture of her. That's just can't wait for that. Uh, Cannot wait for can't that. Wait either. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think I think it's her face. Like she yeah. just has the ability that when the camera loves her, and then you're like, okay, what do you have to tell me? That's going to be yeah. important or not? We, we watched uh, Scent of a Woman for this mm-hmm. show, and that has an early Philip Seymour Hoffman performance right. where he's kind of a nothing role. 
but like he's developed this character he's built a character on top of it i think julianne moore's doing the same thing here i totally just like the paul thomas anderson day players have come to it feels to save the day yeah to rescue these these yeah i mean it is interesting how she um as as you said courtney she pulls focus like you just can't help but look at her and just be like who is this? I want her story. Um, I think you should be doing Marlene's origin story if you're going to do a cradle that uh, hand that rocks the cradle. Well, from Marlene's you know, perspective, yeah. I I mean that's the thing about uh, hand that rocks the cradle, the limited series, is every episode is from a different perspective of one of oh, the characters. Like a in the classic in the classic film, hand that rocks the cradle. Actually, Lifetime did a sort of a spin on this is called the hand that robs the cradle which mm. is about a nanny who realizes that the the, the little boy she's seeing is that was kidnapped by uh-huh. the parents which i think is a really great idea we're all having fun podcasting <laughs> today including she's really the loving this today she's, she's just in it it's great she's having a blast she's having a blast she, she hasn't figured out if she talks into the microphone it will make noise and if she does we're all we're all yeah this, this I, will no longer happen so um, I, I i yes please go I, I, I was gonna say like the the, the, the cap off the julian Moore stuff yeah. is that she is yeah she, like she's just always been an i would say like natural born actress like she yep. just got like she just knows what to do give her a movie even in Things like, and uh, Emily spoke about this earlier, Lost World, which is like a travesty oh, by most standards, yeah. but I mean, she's Mr. Magoo in the movie, but she works. Like, it, it, it the, utterly works. Yeah. The one sequence in that movie that unquestionably works is that T-Rex attack with the two T-Rexes. And yeah. so much of that is just on her looking scared, and she's she's the best well, in the she biz. Has, she has my favorite moment in that film, favorite kind of sequence. Uh, it's her on the glass. Yeah. And it's yeah. shattering, and yeah. she can't move, or she's gonna f- like. That's just a great Spielbergian moment, and she's yeah. selling it like nobody's business. But I, yeah, she's just fantastic. I also I, love that she pisses off the Stegosaurus too for yeah. like no reason. Yeah, for no reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great. She's really good at her job. Um, but I, I do think that um, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk just a little bit about Rebecca De Mornay because I do think that her career is one of those careers that you know. Um, obviously starts with a bang with Risky Business and everyone is sort of like, who is that? She's in a bunch of movies in the 80s, but like, I don't know a lot of them. And they really, I think the first time I saw her was probably in Backdraft, if I'm being completely honest, where she plays um, Russell. Also, her also amazing looking in Backdraft. I'll tell you, she yes. was my life. <laughs> my life. For so she was, long. She's a stunner. That's for sure. She really she, was. She, but but I, like I I I am not even saying this tongue in cheek. And I'm the awards yeah. editor, so you'll know I mean this. Hmm. I totally believe she deserved an Oscar nomination for *Hand the Rock's Cradle*. She's really because good at it. because it is really such, like it's a, a one of the great villainous turns. Mm-hmm. She like like you know we can talk about like you know things with the script you know being problematic, but she just sells the hell out of it. Yes. But at, but like *Backdraft* is right before this, and mm-hmm. she has the smallest throwaway role in three musketeers the next year that i remember she's always been a very talented actress and i think maybe it's probably because like she uh is is a little testy on sets possibly (laughs) i don't know this for sure but that's been like some rumors over the years but like i remember like when i finally got to see her again it felt like so so long in wedding crashers she opens up wedding crashers and i was like oh look she's alive and well can we give her a movie please she you know it's interesting 
she, what I remember her from, first of all, it should be said, you mentioned this, I think, in the previous episode, Emily, but she was nominated for uh, the MTV Movie Award for Best Villain. Um, she lost and to th- uh, Jennifer won. Jason Lee. No, I think she lost, didn't she? No, she won. It was the first year for that award. And she oh, won. my apologies. What was the award that you were talking about, Emily? That, that, she, that... Did, she did oh, lose Jeff, to Jennifer Jason the next year. That's oh, the next, next year. year. Okay, my, is that what happened? Let me let me let me take a look I'm at looking this. right now. Rebecca won the first year. Jennifer Jason Lee wins the next year, and then after okay. that is Alicia Silverstone. We are just living. <laughs> we are in the '90s. Yeah, I think what happened, Emily, was probably the cutoff. Right? Is that yeah. "Hand That Rocks the Cradle" was the previous year, which was yeah. the first one. By, by the way, she beat Robert Patrick from Terminator Two: Judgment Day. That's how good that's Rebecca Demore is. <laughs> that's pretty, and also and, how big a hit this fucking movie was. And, where and was beat like, Robert De Niro, who got nominated for an Oscar. For Cape Fear, for Cape Fear, that's senior too. <laughs> Al, Alan Rickman, who won a BAFTA for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, who I love, I love that. Rebecca so much. Yeah. She's got what were you going to say, Courtney? We've got the two big scenes in here that mm-hmm. were like the talk of the town, which were the kid bullying her oh, going up to the so kid. So good. Very, very Cape Blanchett tar. I was going to say very Lydia tar of her. Very Lydia tar. I noticed that in tar. Tar did the homage, which was fantastic. Which now we I'm know. Sure, Todd Field was, he was doffing his cap to. <laughs> but then also the greenhouse destruction scene too. He's so great. both of those things together, and it was like you know right after the other in this movie, like that really sealed the deal. But I yeah, think also I yes, sir. sorry, I just am looking at the MTV Movie Award for Best Villain. I think it is bullshit that Alicia Silverstone <laughs> defeated the T Rex from Jurassic Park. I think T Rex should have won that going away. You know what? What do I know? I also, do want to say also though, beat John Malkovich by the way in the Line of Fire, and I love that oh, movie so much. Also, and Macaulay a great Culkin. And Macaulay Culkin, good son. He was really. I assume this is for the Crush. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Who was really evil in the crush? I loved that movie. She also doesn't kill anybody. She puts bees in no, a photo. In a... In yeah. So Similar the thing that that uh that kills Macaulay Culkin in uh My Girl. Um I think that you have a Mary uh-huh. Grand in the attic too. It's, it's, remember that? I, th- I do remember that. I do think one of the things that this movie that can't really sort of be undersold to is that Curtis Hansen understands the the genre that he's playing in. This is very sort of Hitchcockian. He obviously is a big genre guy, was a big genre guy, rest in peace, in terms of like, obviously LA Confidential, looking at 8 Mile, looking at this, where it's just like, he understands how to sort of play with the dials and Robert Ellswood, obviously a great TV. Like, this is a slick movie. This is a well-made movie. I think that ultimately the script lets some people down from time to time, but that ultimately... All of these things kind of coming together. Um, and it is a shame that it doesn't launch more from Rebecca DeMornay. But I remember her, she had a great arc on ER where she was a, a girlfriend of, of uh, Carter's uh, that had breast cancer and sort of dealing with having a, 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 a lumpectomy or having surgery on her breast, whatever. Long story short, she's a really good actor and it does seem as though perhaps there was some onset stuff that just but listen i i I, i've refused to i also think she's just this happens from time to time i think and because i think because sharon stone was alive during that time (laughs) like i i honestly believe that because i also think that's why brie larson hasn't really like taken off like i mean obviously she won an oscar but like sure jennifer lawrence was has been alive and well for quite some time and and the reason why 
um, Giovanni Ribisi hasn't taken off because Sam Rockwell has been doing his thing for like sure. a long There's time. always so, a counterpart to this. It, re- it took me so long to get going because Taylor Swift's out there, just like <laughs> yes, taking exactly. up the, the really natural up, spot. She, she's, she really sucks up all the oxygen. I pivoted to writing because I was like, well, I guess pop star's not happening for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I do think you, you're making a good point, though, in terms of, and this is the case with Hollywood, it fucking still happens to this day, which is that, you know, there's the list and where are you on the list and and what roles are being offered to you and, and how to agents finagle things and um and also just how do you take a role and knock it out of the park in something that people would think like really you're gonna do the like evil nanny movie yeah and she does it and she fucking bodied it like she does a great job but i i do think all of this is to say that like it's a shame that there wasn't more from her but she kills this yeah. movie at the end of this film she is wielding this shovel like a fucking lunatic there's a moment when um after she pushes the husband down the stairs he breaks his legs she then like smashes the light bulb with the with the shovel and my my like onset brain went that's gonna be really fucking hard to get out of that socket man like i don't know how you're gonna get the 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 part of the the fucking bulb out of that thing but she's just she's she's great this whole back half where like she's just unleashed and it's just Peyton unfiltered with a red sweater that she keeps buttoned the entire time. <laughs> the entire time, because that's important. Yeah. Just keep that red sweater in. Gotta keep that. And yeah. and the weirdest bloody nose. Like it was like it was like a, like it was like it was red. Yeah. Nose. Like like either like what bleed or don't. Yeah. She's so beautiful. You can't have like a- you can't yeah. fuck it up too much. But that punch would fuck you up. Like a straight on punch that catapults her across a, a kitchen table. <laughs> like. Like so hard, but then can't so but good. then can't fight her any other time in the movie. Like just no, like just can't do. Like there's so many. T- and I mean, again, it's stupid to be like annoyed by this. But how do you lock doors from the outside? Like how? Do, yeah. How does the little girl lock her inside the room from the outside? And then she uses like a, a fireplace pick to like like, like yeah. kick the kick the door. Like why yeah. are we like everything? And, and then, by the way. Remember, remember when she gives her the tour of the house and shows her mm-hmm. like everything mm-hmm. or whatever, and mm-hmm. she says your room gets the most light in the house. She should have lied to her because that's the basement. That's and we yeah, saw the, basement the rest doesn't of the have house. a lot of light. We saw the rest of the house. It was very dark down there. Um, I think the the yeah to to encapsulate to uh, in conclusion, mm-hmm. Rebecca De Mornay goes for broke in this movie, like gives everything she has, and that's. I think certain actors are just great under the, I think Curtis Hansen was able to get that out of her. And I don't know if many others could. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know sort of in, in this movie, yeah. in this role. Yeah. 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 It's so when, skeptical. Except, except when, Emily, Emily, when Emily writes this, it's going to be serious. We're all going to be part of now. Uh-huh. It's going to be great. When Emily writes this movie, it's going to be great. I'm trying to figure out who I'm casting as Peyton, because who's going to fill those shoes? It's, it's certainly not me, unless. Um. Um, uh, so I do want to... Um, me alone, sorry. by the way. Oh, wait, I have a tip for you with the light bulb socket thing. Oh, yeah, yeah? What's the so, tip? Uh, potato. Cut a potato in half, a raw potato, stick it in the light socket, and that's how you can get a broken light bulb out. I feel like 
I feel like I'm maybe serious. it works. No, I know it, you are. Yeah. It's, it's great. I feel like maybe hints from Heloise didn't make it up to Canada, Phil, and that's why you don't know this sort of thing. So, yeah. that's the most MacGyver thing I've ever heard. For <laughs> I don't even know what that even means. I don't know where but, I heard it, but it does work. Um, so I do want to just to 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 wrap this up. We do a rating on our on our podcast where we rate from zero to ninety nine. Zero being the lowest, obviously ninety nine being the highest. Thirty and we 30. rate it. <laughs> 30%. So what what are you, what, zero to ninety nine? Where does this film land for you guys today? Obviously, you loved it back in ninety two, but I'm curious as to how it uh, how it holds up for you today. There is something to be said about seeing this movie when you're eight and growing up with it. I would hate to watch it as an adult for the first time under your lenses because I can only imagine. Yes, you thank you. Not. It was fun. I appreciate yeah, it. it. <laughs> you know, and and there's a lot of movies like that. Like I can't. Can you imagine watching Single White Female for the first time now? Well, that movie is a oh, fucking did ball. That, that movie is a blast. It, it, that one was crazy. It's the best. Yeah, it's the best. Um, oh, but the dog dies. The dog That is dies. true. There is a dead dog Why in that. I'm like, dog out the window. Boo. Ooh, so, uh, yeah, high, high body count in that movie because then she sticks someone in the eye with a heel. Um, I, I, think, I think if I'm really being honest, like if I'm just like really objectively trying to be a critic about this, it's like a 72-ish. You know, it's okay, like... Okay. It's, it's, okay. A, it's a pretty... It, 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 as as a campy cult classic, it's like it, it's up there with Showgirls. It's like it's just delightful, and I and if it's on TV, I'll watch it. Like no doubt about it. Yeah. It. So, Courtney, where are you? Zero to ninety nine. Where where do you fall on this one? I'm about sort of in that range, like between seventy and eighty percent. Okay. I okay. flaws. I know it gets a little entangled towards the end. And again, it sort of talks out of both sides of its mouth and doesn't exactly portray childless women uh, very well. But um, I'll excuse that because she's a sociopath. But um, yeah, I think it still falls in that sort of range for me. I still like I would recommend it to people to watch still. Um, It's very interesting to hear your guys' lens on it, having not seen it before. I know. uh, Versus... (laughs) I'm uh, sure if I saw it at 12 in 1992, yeah. I probably would have enjoyed it. Um, I it's it's listen, it's it's very 92. I had a lot of fun with it. I'd probably give it like a 65 is kind of where I'm at. 65, 68. That's kind of uh, where I land on this. What about you, Emily? God, I feel like the worst. Like I just we we come to me every week, and I'm like, well, I'm going to be at least 30 points lower than everyone. No, I I have been Fine. like. No, no, no. I have been like watching these movies and watching and like I have I have when that when they do stuff I'm really into. Like I think Poison Ivy is a great movie. I really loved that movie. Um I had a blast with that movie. I think it's aged weirdly well. This movie uh I came to for the first time and just it it just yeah, it didn't work for me. Um I'm going to give it a uh going to give it a 39. Okay. And okay. uh Okay. I uh, 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 the queer phobia scale, which is every week I rate a movie from one to ten based on how queer phobic it is in a '90s context. This movie has no overt queer phobia, so I'm going to give it a, a, a four. But I think it's queer phobic in the sense of like it cannot imagine a world outside the nuclear family, and it is oh, terrified right, sure. of that. Okay. And also, there's so much chemistry between Shiora and Demornay. Should it just happen, or or Shiora and Julia Moore, I'll take that. Too. I I, I do I do stand by. I think the um, co gardener man that's with Annabelle Sierra is definitely gay. In the movie. Yes, for sure. Oh, he's, he's definitely a gay guy. 
Um, yeah, I'd love to. They, they had him just like you know. He's like, we love coming here, don't we? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to get your thoughts, uh, Courtney and Clayton, on the film that we're covering next week, uh, which is Noises Off. Have you seen oh. Noises Off? John Ritter Noises covering... Off? Yes. What's we're up, covering Emily? Noises Off? That's, we're covering I feel noises like off. every week I learn a movie we're going to cover, and it's a fun part of the show. Everybody loves it. I have it. sent you this list. You know this <laughs> list. This is None of this is a surprise to you. I don't know the schedule, though. So We're covering I, Noises Off. I haven't seen uh, Noises Off in a really long time. I haven't that... seen it, but I remember seeing the video box at Suncoast. I used to work at Suncoast, so I remember I seeing the video, video box yep. Yep. Like posters at the movie theaters and stuff, but I never saw it. I don't think it got good ratings, like good... Uh... I, I I always bulk it together with um, Stay Tuned. I we covered getting... Stay Tuned. I actually didn't like Stay Tuned. I really like Stay Tuned's Stay tuned. crazy. Stay Tuned, uh, I think, um, exhausted both Emily and I. Started strong. By the end, we were just like, when do we get off this ride? Because <laughs> Jeffrey Jones turned it on and then never turned it off. Like, he just like, yes. I'm going to do everything in this movie and give yes. you the most me. before I I have... It's a lot, yeah. I have never seen the film version of Noises Off. I've seen the stage version many times. So it will be an interesting experience, especially someone who likes Peter Bogdanovich generally. It's going to be an interesting experiment. I'm, I've never seen okay. it. I, I'm curious about it. I know that it was kind of a movie that it was very theatery, and theater movies tend not to, you know, work for movie audiences. So I'm, I'm curious to see uh, how it all plays out. But more than anything. Hit me um, up when you get into Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That's okay. We'll do. Promise. With one I, of the be- one of the best soundtracks ever. Um. So where can uh, where can people find you guys? Are you on uh, Are you on Twitter? Can, I mean, you obviously are. Can would you like to tell people where we found each other? We record, we record so far in advance. Twitter might not exist by the time this episode comes out. But please, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Right, Courtney. Uh, okay. So my scribblings you can find at Variety. <laughs> Uh, the AV Club and FreshFiction.tv, and then I'm also on Twitter at Lula Maybell, if that still exists. It does. I, I believe it will still exist. <laughs> I just want to uh, add that Courtney is a fabulous writer, one of my favorites. As, uh, absolutely, uh, she's fantastic, and yeah, people should be should be should be, should be <laughs> reading her tweets and reading her articles. And Clayton, people can find you on Twitter at uh, by Clayton Davis. By Clayton Davis, except for Instagram, which is a word circuit. If you're trying to change it, you can't change your handle when you're verified. It's like the one like stupid Weird. thing about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm there, and you can see me making uh, a lot of foolish Emmy and Oscar predictions all year long. Love it. Uh, everyone this, should be following these. Yeah. Go this ahead. Uh, this episode's coming out in like September, right? No, it'll come out in August, probably. Okay, I was going to say it's we're just starting to get into festival season uh, as this is coming out. So, cool. oh, so then next, week I'm, going, great next week I'm going to tell you right. Yeah, Clayton's going to have some know, great you're going to be a tell you right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, so I tell you right or Toronto. Yeah, um, yeah, but honestly, guys, I can't thank you enough for both coming on and and talking with us about um, this movie. It was I, I didn't know what to expect, um, so I was thrilled that uh, the movie was a lot more complicated than I thought it was going to be. And I, and I was thrilled to, to be able to have two giant fans to be able to unpack it with. So thank you so much for that. 1988, do blood sport. <laughs> All right, Emily. If you want to watch the most casually racist movie, but it's awesome. That is the do one. I? It's racist to everybody though. Even white people. Everyone's oh, racist. Great. In that movie. Great. Blood blood sport. Sport. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay. 
That's the one that Trump. That's the one that Trump's obsessed with, right? Should we have Correct. Trump on the show? Yeah, we should have Blood him on. No, yeah. Trump is enough. Don't yeah. say that. By um, the way, well, just by the way, to... can I just wait? Wait, I, I want to say this before I completely forgot. Yeah. I have, Hand the Rock's Cradle, one thousand percent. If it comes out today, the alt right calls this a woke movie because it's too woke. Probably, probably. They would say it was woke. And <laughs> just like, to uh, you don't know what movie is. Just to etch this uh, episode in stone, uh, the WGA and AMPTP talks conclude without an agreement. So... <laughs> Did you read? Is that are you reading that on the wrap.com? Because I'm reading that on the deadline. Oh wow! Well, so I don't know what it means. I have yet to receive an email from my guild, so I will believe. Uh, wait, yeah, Variety AMP, and it says WGA talks have concluded without an agreement, but leaves door open to break this logjam. That's what I'm saying. So that's why I'm like, let's just see. That what sounds happens. like a. That sounds like uh That's that's not union strong, Phil. It sounds like it's the other side, capital what? versus labor. I'm it not, sounds like well, I'm not signing. No, with I'm not talking to oh. you. I'm saying oh, yes, this 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 piece. Wait, you mean like deadline is is on the side of? Uh, it sounds like the maybe studios? the source. Maybe the source is within capital and not within labor. Union just, strong, I solidarity forever. I just think as a headline, it's an interesting headline. That's all I'm going to say. Because I don't think it's it's conclusive in any way. Um, but we shall see. I've that's, been in the WGA West read, for read one on, day. Read it on Variety. That's your... Well, I don't... I don't. <laughs> I, I mean to suggest that that this does not seem conclusive in in totality is what I'm sort of getting sure. at. More than I, have, I have worked in yes. television for one day and we're going on strike. <laughs> You're the reason we're striking, Emily. I hope you know that. This is I got you gotta admit it's a good bit. Like <laughs> it's a great bit. It's I mean, I mean it's a really good bit. It's a good story. But, yeah. It's a good story. You're you're um, the hero. You're the hero we, we need but uh, we we need but don't deserve right now. That's what it is. Dark mm. night. Yeah, dark times. We're gonna see how it all shakes out. Uh for our listeners in August. Uh that's you know. Uh, you know what's happened yeah <laughs> or you know what's still happening um <laughs> emily finish your script limited series coming out in or i have i can do that for the next uh four hours maybe <laughs> you have you yeah you got, you got three hours and 45 minutes to finish that uh that <laughs> uh, all right guys thank you so so much this was an absolute pleasure and i can't wait to have you guys on soon again to talk about something else Thank you. Bye. Thank you so, so much. Bye, guys. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.